This episode is brought to you by HealthMate Saunas. After much research and study into finding ways to increase my energy, all answers pointed towards incorporating saunas into my recovery. Infrared saunas differ from traditional saunas because they warm you from the inside out. Saunas provide deep relaxation and boost that energy through increased blood flow and also cleanse the system, release toxins and provide a deep detox. For me, I use my sauna at the end of a tough workout or after a busy working day. And of course, having the sauna conveniently in my house removes all obstacles of making it part of my weekly routine. I simply plug in my HealthMate to the usual household plug and I'm ready to go. But why is a HealthMate better than any other infrared sauna? HealthMate are the global market leader in infrared saunas and have been for the last 40 years. They're the only company to offer a patented infrared technology which guarantees that infrared penetrates deep beneath the skin, critical to getting our health benefits. They only use green and sustainable materials on their saunas and are the only company to offer an unconditional lifetime warranty. Personally, I have a two-person cabin, but there are a variety of models, shapes, and sizes that can work for you, all available at health-mate.co.uk. Go to their website to get yours. This is Take Flight with Mark Whittle. Welcome to Take Flight. I'm Mark Whittle, former city worker turned performance coach, and this is your place for inspiration, and education on ways to optimize your performance and find your purpose. The most powerful force in the world is to be consistent with your identity. If the shoes don't fit, take them off. You can lie to everyone else, but you can't lie to yourself. You need to trade your expectations for appreciation. You know, we only live once. When all is said and done, the only thing you have left is your memories. The guest for this episode is the amazing Bella Shah. Bella is a TV presenter at Sky Sports News working the highly anticipated and highly respected deadline day ever since she joined. She's considered an expert on all things football from Premier League to the World Cup. Prior to Sky News, Bella worked as a freelance presenter with impressive credentials including Channel 5, BBC Radio 1, TalkSport and Premier League Productions. Not always in front of the camera, Bella began her career as a lawyer for ITV Sports before making a successful leap into broadcasting. She's incredibly passionate about sports, growing up as a fan of football, cricket, athletics, and herself even playing netball. An all-round professional speaker and broadcaster with experience in some of Britain's favorite news and sporting shows, Bella is fast becoming one of the most recognizable and respected faces in UK broadcast journalism. She had an amazing summer presenting Good Morning Euros alongside Mark Wright. It was such a fantastic and successful show. And you can catch her every week on Sky Sports News, including the brilliant Goals on Sunday show, which wraps up all of the weekend's football action. She really is a fantastic presenter. She has an incredible energy. We connected the moment that we met. I loved this conversation so much. From hearing what it takes to get up every morning at 3am to pursue your passion, to learning the details about her leap of faith from the legal profession into journalism. I hope you enjoy this special conversation with the amazing Bella Sharp. Bella, welcome to the Take Flight podcast. Thanks so much for having me, honestly, really excited. Oh, thanks for coming down. We're in Soho Radio. You happy? Love it. <laughs> 70s American vibe. I'm all over it. Yeah, and you're saying it's your day off today. Yeah, day off today. I usually do four days a week. 
So today is my day off and tomorrow, actually, mm. so I can go wild. Amazing. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> I'm actually going to an awards tomorrow. It's called the Asian Sport List, which is a bit like, I don't know if you've heard of the football blacklist. It's a bit like that, but sort of the Asian counterpart. And last year I was up for an award. Um, so you don't win an award, you, you're named on a list, right. basically. And I was named on the list for Amazing. the broadcaster section, which was really nice. And we did a Zoom sort of ceremony, if you like. But this year, everyone who won last year is going to collect their awards as well because of COVID. Mm. They couldn't have a ceremony. So they're having a little do tomorrow. <laughs> so it's on a boat. So that will be fun. Amazing. I know. So last year you were named on the list for best broadcaster. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. One of. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. It's quite nice. Cool. Are you are you up for anything this year again? No. Just going to collect last year's award. I don't want to be too greedy. <laughs> you know, just the one is fine. <laughs> so Bella, what does your week consist of i've never spoken with a broadcaster in the sense of i've spoken with presenters and people like jeff brazier and but like not in your sense you know yeah. it's, it's it seems quite intense but what does a week look like for you it is intense and a lot of the time when i tell people that i do four days a week they're like oh that's awesome <laughs> you get three days off and also the days that we work in terms of when i'm in the newsroom or in the office it's not as long as a normal office nine to five so that it feels like oh that's so chill you've got a shorter day and you've got shorter week it's really intense it's because in, it's it's a 24 7 job really and I say job but a lot of it isn't like work a lot of the things that I do to prepare for work is what I would do even if I wasn't working at Sky Sports News for example I watch sport all the time so Sky Sports News is just the background in my house. It's always on. And that was before I worked there. That was when I was growing up as well in my mum and dad's house. Um, and if I'm not watching Sky Sports News, then I'll be watching football or cricket or, you know, whatever it might be. So that part of it is prep for work, but it's also what I would do in my downtime anyway. Maybe I watch a bit more because of work, back-to-back -back games. Sometimes my husband's like, oh, really? We're watching four football games <laughs> in a row. So in that sense, that the prep side of it is quite a lot. But then we get to work early in terms of knowing what's in the rundown, liaising with producers. There was a period where we we're doing our own hair and makeup, so that takes a lot longer as well. So four-day weeks, and generally I do the early shift, which means we're on air at 7 a.m., we get in for 5am for production meeting and then we're off air at 10. We have a little debrief and then, you know, people say to me, oh, you're, you're done by 10 o'clock. You're, you're home by 11 o'clock. That's amazing. You've got your whole day. It's like, yeah, but I was awake at 3am. So, <laughs> so it, it, it can be exhausting. Doing the early shifts are not easy. And I don't have children, but I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of my friends who have babies and they say nothing prepares you for sleep deprivation. And it's a little bit like that. I don't want to liken it to having a baby, but just um, the focus that you have when you've not had enough sleep, you know, all of that type of thing. I'm just reaching for any like bad food to, for that energy. So it's just about getting into a routine that's still healthy and can help me to be at my best at work. Hmm. That makes sense. I have so many questions. <laughs> so I just went into a bit of a monologue there. No, it's amazing. I mean, I do want to come back to more of like what the working week, how it's like yeah. spread out and stuff. But so fascinating. What caught my attention straight away is like the intensity of your energy output. So this, for example, as mm. well, or like when I do a coaching session, it's very intense one-to-one, -one, like extremely focused work, which is the same as what you're doing, right? Yeah. So 
the challenge is to be able to perform optimally like with whatever energy that you have yeah right so how do you do that so let's say you're up at three mm. how do you feel when you wake up and then what are you doing in order to prepare yourself yeah when you get there if i've had enough sleep so i try to go to bed early but the thing is usually there's football on the night before or often there is football on that I will want to watch mm. so it's hard and so sometimes I'll say to myself okay I'll watch the first half and then at half time I'll watch a bit of analysis and then I'll go to sleep but if if it's one all and I know that it's been such an end-to-end game I'm like oh God, I can't I have to watch the second half or sometimes you're just your adrenaline is so high because you just like you know if it's an intense game or sometimes I don't go to bed early enough in which case I'll wake up in the morning and it feels like sometimes I feel like oh, who's calling me in the middle of the night? And it's not, it's my alarm. I need to change my ringtone because my ringtone is the same as my alarm. <laughs> so that's why I think that. I think, who's ringing me in the middle of the night? And you hit snooze and you might hit snooze again. And then I think I really need to get up now because it's not fair on the rest of the team if I'm a little bit late. So the production team getting even earlier than the presenters and, I, and and they work so hard on putting the running order together. I feel I have a responsibility to them as well. There are times when you have enough sleep and you feel good and you just spring out of bed and at the same time I do have this thought and I know this sounds quite cliche and a bit cringe but sometimes when I'm feeling a bit like oh god it's so early I just think to myself like when you get to work you're going to you're going to love it. Like you I love what I do. I love my job. So I just have that in my mind. I just think, just get up and get ready. So I'll get up. I'm like, once I've had a shower and I've had like a coffee, I feel much better. And then mm. I'm just ready to go. And then, so I get into work for five. And you say about the energy levels, even though the production team have been there even earlier than the presenters, they always, there's there's such a good camaraderie for the early team, especially, I think, because you're all in it together. Mm. And you also have a co-presenter in the mornings as well. So we're both in at five. So there's people around and it's and, and that just lifts already. You're a team and there's always like jokes, we're always laughing. It's never just head down, everyone's tired and sluggish. Mm. Even though people are tired, we make it fun and there's energy. Um, and that can be whichever team is on the breakfast shift and usually whichever co-presenter as well. So that makes it really fun and, you know, it helps when you like the people that you work with and that you, you actually are on good, like, friendly mm. levels and then, you know, it doesn't feel like work and we're all in it together, like I say. And then when you're in the newsroom, our studio, as you might have seen, is in the middle of the newsroom. So you're already there when you get in and it's like the lights are on, you can see the big Sky Sports News splash at the back, you know, the desk is there the cameras are there, the monitors are there, and it's just like you feel you start to feel ready mm. already. Yeah. So the alarm goes off at three and you went you, you essentially are like channeling, you're telling yourself for other people as well, but also for yourself, like you love it. Yeah. You love it. I do. And that's the thing. I feel so lucky to be able to do that. Um, because as you probably know, like this is my second career. So it, it feels even more special to me that I managed to switch careers and still get my dream job it wasn't something that I had to work from from 16 you know in a sense I feel like I've always been working towards it but I feel so lucky that having started the journey later I still managed to get 
there, which is where I wanted to get. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. that like, I've been so fascinated doing the research on you and your story. I think, yeah, I can't wait to hear. But before that, so you were talking about a team. I just think that's so interesting. Like, I've made this transition myself with, that you're going to share in a moment about leaving the corporate world and going full time with this. That's the thing I suffer with more than anything is being by myself. Right. Because like, you, you said you step into there, the lights are on, the camaraderie, yeah. the energy. Like I missed that when I stopped playing football, like more than mm. anything, but I had it in a business environment with sales and that sort of stuff and it kind of like was similar yeah and now being on your own it's really really hard but like obviously I love it so you can channel that energy again mm. but I'm quite extrovert and get it from other people yeah. so I think it's interesting that you said that yeah no I agree like I think different people work in different ways and I and I have enjoyed you know sometimes having a task to myself and just getting on with it and getting my head down and focused mm. but I'm I'm a bit like yourself I think you know I thrive off of other people and that's why I do like working solo shifts but I prefer when I have a co-presenter yeah. because you know it's just that energy and what keeps me going and, mm. and it just lifts the whole mood. So what would you say to people who struggle getting up in the morning? This is a very good question actually I've tried a lot of things to help I me with can sleep imagine. so I've tried sleep sprays where you spray on the pillow and you get that nice like lavender and it helps you to relax and that actually I felt like that did work but I feel like they all work for a bit and then I just become immune to them yeah. I try to sleep balm which you like put, you know like it's like a cream like a moisture and again it's got that same like, it's the relaxing scent I've tried digi pill so it's like a guided meditation and there's different versions but there's a sleep one as well so I've tried that and I actually really like that one so you're are you listening to listening. So I, put my, well, I just put my phone okay. put it on my phone and I have that on and it's like got the music and you know he's got lovely like Irish accent and he talks you through <laughs> but then sometimes I'll get to the end of it and I'm still awake. I try, also tried a weighted blanket. That did not work for me. How is that supposed to work? It's supposed to make you feel like you're cocooned uh -huh. and also because you can't move. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you you can move. You can move. But again, you know, so, so I have like tried a lot of extremes. Also, like my husband, like if I'm on an early shift, I'm like, you just have to sleep in the other room mm. because I can't like yeah. deal with the snoring and even if you mm. like move a little bit I'll wake up and then I can't get back to sleep so blackout blinds yeah. that's another thing I've taken this to like the real extreme mm -hmm. but I think the best thing and this is just like the most simple thing is to switch off from everything about 45 minutes to an hour before go to bed phone away and I put my do not disturb on my phone now so that I can't and, and the light is down so I can't see any notifications coming through anything but I do allow like emergency calls so I've set mm -hmm. like so for example you know when my mum wasn't well I've yeah. set like so she can still call me that type of thing and then just like a cosy environment and just have that time like yourself to just like wind down completely and sometimes like even like a warm drink as well. Mm. And that is like the most simple old school thing of just like, you know, just relaxing before. Yeah. And I found that that's, that's the best thing. Mm. But like I said to you, if there's football on, it's really hard for me because I want to watch it. And if I don't watch it and I have a great sleep, I'll get to work. 
but I won't have known anything that's gone on in the football. And then I'll watch all the highlights, you know. Mm. But sometimes not everything's in the highlights. They might show you the, the you know, the tackle that was controversial and the goals. But what about like the little incidents that you might not have seen or, you know, the little to-dos between opposition players, that type of thing. I, I love all of it. Yeah. I love the whole of the experience of the game. I want to see the managers shouting like on the touch. I want to see all of that. And you don't get, often all of that in the highlights that's so interesting like the highlight reel it's like social media isn't it it's what so many of us see that kind of those people's peak experiences and that's all we're allowed to see especially with highlights this is controversial and you're probably not going to like this but as a as a like very passionate football fan for Mm. all of my life and sport fan general but football was my main one i now i'm I'm a highlight watcher really yeah and I think it's partly because I'm an Arsenal fan, so I don't like watching. That makes a lot of it's sense. Torture, but yeah, that's just, interesting. I, maybe, maybe it's also because I've I've got a young girl. It's the time she's 16 months old. And it's like, so my kind of heaven is on a Sunday morning. I have a coffee and I put match of the day on. And that's yes. my peace and quiet. See, that's different because you're consuming a lot of content there, all the games, mm. and you're getting them. You know, but what I mean is like, if there's a big game on, say there's a Manchester derby. I want to know every little thing mm. that's happened in that Manchester derby. And not because I have to know it for work. I just want to know. Yeah. Or, for example, like I don't know if you saw the game like with Aston Villa and Manchester United when Emmy Martinez was saying, take the penalty, Cristiano, you take the penalty, you take the penalty. Like That sort of drama is what I live for in football. And every time I've watched that clip, I'll see something new in it that I'm just like, oh, I just love it. And (laughs) I don't know if I would get all of that, you know, so I have to weigh it up. That's the thing. And sometimes I will watch it. I'll watch the game. Sometimes I'll just say, you know what, I really need the sleep. But you've just had a a little baby, so maybe we can swap some sleep tips. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, shall I give you some sleep tips? Please do. Similar to you, actually, I think the most profound thing is just switching off and allowing yourself. So when we have the blue light, you'll know all about this, the blue light suppresses our melatonin release, which doesn't allow us on a chemical level to get into a sleep state. So we're getting into bed like awake because we have this blue light and serotonin in our brain, which is then Mm. making us, it's obviously making us stay awake. So switching all that stuff off is great. Not watching anything like too intense, like I find with sport, like if you're watching that right before bed, I'm, I get anxious sometimes Same. watching because I'm just like, I, I feel myself in the situation a lot yeah. of the time and you're like... And then it's hard to come down. Yeah. So that's just being cautious. That that's, you know, I do actually like watching the one benefit of Arsenal not being in the Champions League <laughs> is that I watch as a neutral. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. That's quite nice. Mm. Chamomile tea, it has like an extract. I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this. I've forgotten. It's called like Argonine or something like that, right. which is a relaxant. Mm. So that's people talk, oh, chill out. You know, the, the Eddie Hearn meme, go and have a chamomile tea. Or yeah, 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 yeah. But like there's actually science behind yes. chamomile tea. But you're right. Every time you try something, your body adapts to it. So then I'll, I'll go through, up. yeah, I'll have CBD. I went through a period of like really getting on well with CBD. Now I don't feel like it really works that much. Right. I've changed and now I, I take magnesium. Mm. That seems to help. Yeah. I've got this balm at the minute as well. Like you put it on your pulses and all yes. that. So I don't know. I think my, my trouble is never getting to sleep. It's like I wake up at like three, four in the morning. Agree. I can't get back to sleep. Agree. I have the same issue. Oh, sometimes I can fall asleep fine and then it's waking up. And then once I'm awake, I'm thinking about everything. Mm what I've got to do, yeah. what I haven't done, all the things, anything that's like makes you anxious. And they do say that shift work is is not great for that in terms of you can get paranoia, anxiety. These are all mm. symptoms of shift work, especially when you've had a lack of sleep. 
and early shifts, um, which bodes well really, you know, really well for me um, <laughs> doing the breakfast shift. But I just think you learn to adapt, and also you have to find time to really listen to your body so like in terms of even like with my diet so my husband has been on some like very extreme diets in the past he's been like atkins keto like Mm. these types and they are quite brutal but i practice like intuitive eating so i really listen to what my body wants and that has not been easy to sort of like and i still don't think i'm fully there but if i need something i'll have it so there will be days where i'm just like I'll only need a salad for dinner and that'll be fine. But there will be days when I'll need burger and chips and that will also be fine. There'll be days where a protein shake, I'll have that and then I won't even have lunch because I'm just like, I'm fine. But then there'll be other days, you know, where again, I'll like, oh, I just fancy like some crisps or chocolate and just listening to what I want. And, and I feel that that really works for me and like at different points in the week or in the day, that helps me. I don't know if, if it's an actual thing, but it, it seems to work for me. I absolutely love that you said that. So when you're listening, what is it you're looking out for? It, it is just like the cravings. I will actually feel like, and I think it's because I'm a real food person. Mm. I love food. I love talking about food. It's all I think about. People at work say to me, you talk about food a lot because <laughs> I just love it. So I'll, I want to know, oh, what are you having for dinner? What are you going to have for dinner? <laughs> or I'll say, what did you have for dinner last night? Or are you going to have a snack when you go home? Like, what snack <laughs> will it be? I just want to know because I'm one nosy, but two, I just love, <laughs> I just love the patterns as well that people have. Because with shift work, like I say, it's different. You know, you, you, it's not really like breakfast, lunch, dinner. It, it's quite varied. So, oh yeah, it's, it is the cravings. Like sometimes, you know, sometimes you just want something like really like refreshing and, and 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 that will be fine. And other times I want something more like warm and comforting. And mm. so it's like trying to listen to those things, but, you know, trying not to also do things like stress eating and, you know, trying to like keep it balanced. It's hard, but I it, I feel like that works for me in that way. I'm not, I'm never craving something because I let myself have it in moderation. That's so, it's so interesting. Because I, I know exactly what you're talking about, that intuitive feel of, I actually just need a piece of toast with jam on it or something, you know, or like, or or right now I just want like a crisp, clean apple. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. Mm. It's when the body just starts to know what's right for it or what's good for it. I do cold showers and it's just got to the point where it was horrendous at the start. I've done them for years now, but it was horrendous at the start. Then your body adapts and acclimatizes and then it wants it because it knows it's good for it. Really? So in the morning I'm like... Every morning? Every morning. Although I did post this morning, I was like, these are feeling quite cold now. (laughs) (laughs) It's changed now. It feels a little bit colder now, sort of table, but yeah. So you only have cold showers? I get in and have my normal hot shower. Okay. Yeah, and then for the last two minutes, I'll turn it all the way around to cold and just stand in (gasps) freezing cold. Oh my God. Yeah. But it's like, I love it. I feel so alive when Do I get out. you put out. that on your hair as well? Like, yeah. Oh well, I, I wash my hair like, we talk hairy teams, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so like every three days, isn't that? Yeah. So when I wash my okay. hair, then I'm going fully, yeah. But you still will put the cold yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. That's my favourite bit. <gasps> I love it. It's like really? full shock. And sometimes it's I think... It's good for your skin though, isn't it? Well. I think it's good. Yeah, it's good for your skin. You it, have like, got good like, skin actually. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Interesting. Could be also the infrared sauna I was talking to you about. That is good We're not it. currently sitting in a sauna, just FYI. <laughs> as much as it might look like it. But yeah, like, I, I love that because I don't think you just have it with food either. Mm. Your body will tell you when it needs to get into bed. Your body will tell you like yeah. who it wants to spend time with Like if you really oh, start to so listen true. to those things. I'm all about that as well. And I think as I get older as well, and also in this industry that I'm in, 
uh, this is going to sound funny, but, you know, I, I really listen to like the vibe and the energy that I'm feeling. And if I'm not feeling it, I really listen to my intuition now. Whereas maybe when I was younger, I would doubt it and you would go along with what everybody says is the right thing or the right person or, you know, the right group or the right thing to do. Whereas now I listen to my intuition because I know if something's off, something's off and it might not be off for everyone, but it's off for me. So... I really do like notice people's energies and that is one thing that I will say that I feel like I'm a good judge of character and it's because I really do pay attention to how somebody makes me feel in their company or like if I go away and I've had like the best day I think what did I do today why has it been so good and it's I think about who I've spent time with or who I've spoken to or like who's messaged me like sometimes if you get a message on your phone it could be like whatsapp instagram whatever and you actually physically smile yeah and sometimes my husband says to me oh what are you laughing Hmm. at and I'll, I'll take note of that I'm like oh this person has just messaged me or and I really pay attention to those things or on the other side the flip side what doesn't make me feel good or you know when do I come back from a meeting or a dinner or a lunch and I feel drained from energy or I feel anxious or I feel anxious going then I know I shouldn't be going into that environment again it's this intuitive feeling isn't it my body's telling me this is not good for you mentally I'm not benefiting from it whereas some things I you know I, I know that this is going to make me feel good and afterwards I feel like just lighter and happy. When did you start noticing that you could pick up on these sorts of things? Only in the last maybe five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now of interest, when did you become a presenter and get into journalism? So I changed career in graduated from my into my new career in twenty twelve. Okay. So do you know what I think I think it might be linked mm. to this career because there is, it is a very competitive career, industry rather, and it's competitive. Everybody wants to be doing the, you know, the big jobs and there is a lot of competition for it and you do feel that. Some newsrooms can be quite toxic environments and that's another reason why I'm so grateful for where I'm working now because it's so different to that. It's like one of the most welcoming places I've worked and I didn't think it would be. And and so it's it's just exceeded my mm. expectations so much. I, I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be tough and competitive. But actually, it's I feel really like warm when I'm there. Mm. And if I go on holiday now, I'm ready to come home, go back to work. Most people, when you're on holiday, it's like, oh, I wish I could stay. You know, I wish I could stay another week. Oh, I've got to go back to work. I don't feel like that. I've, I look forward to it. And sometimes... I, you know, I think, oh, like, I'm, even even when it's not like I've been on holiday, I just I look forward to going to work, and that's because of the environment. But it can be that, you know, I have worked in places where I have felt that anxiety, and you feel like people are waiting for you to make a mistake and that type of thing, and it's a bit toxic, and it's actually come out physically. Like I, I remember like getting like this like rash on my hand it was really strange and I had no reason for it I hadn't used any new products you know went through all the list of everything went to the doctor and the first thing the doctor asked me was are you stressed at work and I thought that's a really weird thing to say because one she doesn't know where I work I've not mentioned anything about the fact that you know I might be stressed at work she said that's 
that's what it is. Mm. And it, it happened on two different occasions, separate from each other, but it was both the same reason because I was feeling stressed and anxious at work and mm. it physically came out into my skin like as an eczema and I've never had it since. Mm. So it's really bizarre. It's, yeah, I I wholeheartedly believe in those, like that our emotions of what dictate like health and oh, energy levels and everything. And I, I was just interested to know whether the link was, because really what you did from... And, I, and we're going to move on to your career from like law to, to what you do now. But that's listening as well. That's intuitively listening to what you really want to do. Mm. And not many of us are courageous enough to actually listen and pay attention. And then the bigger part, which is actually take the action afterwards. Mm. What was your upbringing like? What was it that led you into law? Like, What were the, your kind of like early years, family life? And then what kind of built your goals and your your dreams and aspirations and and like what then led it into the illegal practice it's funny because you know there is a stereotype with like indians that old doctor and lawyer like it's like or accountant and a lot of people think you know because a lot of asian parents are like quite they can be quite pushy this is like the traditional stereotype of you know they want you to go into these like high powered professions and you know they can be like quite forceful in that sense and you know education is key and this type of thing but it's actually funny because it's so far removed from mm. my situation. And a lot of people think that, that, oh, were you a lawyer first because your parents wanted you to be and then you did your dream job? And it was like, no, if anything, my parents were the ones who encouraged me to, to change career and do what I wanted to do. Because when I was younger, I loved law. Well, my mum said to me that she knew like I would be that something to do with, you know, that type of thing. Because she said, you just had an answer for everything. She said, we'd be having a discussion. And she goes, you would be able to convince me that you're right, even mm -hmm. if you were wrong. She was like, I just knew like, she's going to be some sort of negotiator when she's older, because she's just got the gift of the gab. And I think I get that from my dad. My dad is like, very much like that. He's like a proper, you know, just a lad, you know, like he's got the gift of the gab. He can, he's friends with everyone, everyone knows him. And he can like talk his way in and out of anything. Mm -hmm. So when I was growing up, I used to love legal dramas, TV programs, films. I used to just be obsessed. And I used to watch, uh, I watched that film with Tom Cruise, A Few Good Men. I don't know if you've seen mm, it. So yeah. the court, and then the courtroom drama. And I just, I know that I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer. That's what I want to do. So yeah, so then I went into that field because I just knew, like, I thought it was a good match for me as well with my, like, my own skills. And I thought this will be good. And this is what I wanted to do. And I was just so determined to do that. But having said that, there was another part of me that when I was younger, I was like three, four, five. I used to make like cassette tapes. I don't want to show my age here. <laughs> so like cassette tapes of a radio show, which was like my radio show. It was called like Bella's AM Music. And I was the host, but I was also the, the singer. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so I would introduce music, which would be me singing the music. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and I used to also do the news. I was just everything. It was like, I wa <laughs> and my mum still has those tapes. <laughs> she says, you were so extroverted but she said you were so good at it you just it just came to you so naturally and you know I used to make magazines and I used to make newspapers like from scratch I would write all the articles I would write the problem page and I was very creative in that sense but as I grew older like I used to love listening to the radio watching tv like seeing these presenters and I just didn't really think it just seemed so far removed from reality that this could ever happen mm. like when I was younger, I just thought you need to know somebody or like you need to 
be like your your mum or dad would need to be in the industry for you to be able to you know get in I didn't like millions of people must apply for these jobs there's no way like I could ever do it but because I love law so much I was like you know this is great I'm going to follow this path which is what I did and and I did love it I did really enjoy it and I was good at it as well and I enjoyed so many aspects of it but it was hard it was really hard and when I graduated from my undergrad degree then I went on and did an LPC, so to become a solicitor. But to finally qualify, you have to do a training contract with a law firm for two years. Mm. And I just couldn't get one. And this is quite common. There's, you know, It happens to a lot of law students that they can't find the training contract because it's so competitive and there's so many students graduating from law and there's limited places. So I have a pile at home, which is like this thick of rejection letters, which I used to just get. I start off with my like list of my preference and I went through the whole list right down to the bottom where I didn't even want to work because I was just I just need to qualify and I was just getting rejected and one firm actually sent me two rejection letters (laughs) for the same application that was uh, brilliant I only needed one thanks very much (laughs) and and I so I thought okay you know what I'll I'm I'm not going to give up on that it's fine I'll go a different route so I started working as a legal assistant in law firms and then that led me to ITV and I got a legal assistant job there so I still need it I'm not qualified solicitor at this point I've everything but because I haven't done that training contract and I was working in in ITV sport at this point absolutely Mm. loved it because it was like love sport love media love law it was like a dream loved working there as well and then I realized that you can actually do your training contract in-house So if you've worked somewhere long enough and you've done the relevant experience, you can qualify with them. So I was like, right, that's my next goal then. I'm going to try and get it through ITV. And I did. So what they do is they send you out to two different law firms because you can get specific experience in those law firms. And the funny thing was two of the law firms that had rejected me when I'd applied on my own because, you know, I wasn't good enough to get in on my own, but I managed to get in through ITV. So I went and trained at two top law firms which I I wasn't able to get in on my own but it was just an incredible experience and then did the rest of the training at ITV and managed to qualify as a solicitor so it took me longer but I did get there I've still got all those rejection letters that big pile and I was clearing out my stuff at my mum's the other day and she was like are you going to get rid of these I said no absolutely not I'm going to keep them because Despite all of that, this thick pile, because I like if I am blessed to have children one day, I want to show it to them. I want to say, look, this is this. You've got to persevere. You have to because it's not impossible. You can get there and it might take you a different route. It might take you longer. And it did because I was when I was at the law firms, you know, a lot of them were straight out of uni. So a lot younger than me. But I had a bit more life experience, you know. I knew how to answer a phone and talk to somebody on the phone or how to write an email. And, you know, a lot of them were fresh out of water. So I I don't regret doing it that way. It taught me a lot of lessons, I think. How can we have the perseverance in the face of that rejection? Because rejection is like a horrible thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's not a nice feeling to be literally like typed up but told you're not good enough, essentially. Mm, Yeah. So how can we better cope with rejection and also the follow-up to that is also like what allowed you to then think creatively and and find another route I think my mum and dad have both very like supportive people and and also of that mindset that if something goes wrong 
or for you, you think something's gone wrong, it's not the end of the world. There's always a way out. There's always a way around or a way out. You just need to look for it. You just need to think in a different way. Like, look, okay, this has happened. Let's break it down. And what what can you do next? Where do you want to get to? Right, it's not just one straight path to get there. There's lots of ways to get there. And it's just, it is within yourself to do it, but you just have to dig deep sometimes. And yeah, of course, there were times when I thought, am I ever going to get there? Am I ever going to do it? But if you don't try, like you're never going to know. And I just think having that support from my parents and that belief as well gave me so much belief that, yeah, I'll definitely get there. And then there may have been points where I just thought, oh God, you know, am I going to? But they were very sort of fleeting. I would always say, no, I will, I will. And it took time, but it was, it made, almost made the qualification even sweeter at the end because it was like, I know that this has not just been handed to me. And, and there's nothing against people that get there the first time. I mean, that's amazing if you can. But that, those that extra adversity just made it, even more rewarding for me and just like the extra lessons that I learned along the way. And I, and I do think that that is down to like my, my family because my family have had like a different sort of, they've had a lot of issues in themselves. Like if you, like my mum was born in Uganda. So she was there during like the rule of Idi Amin. Wow. So she had to flee Uganda and it was pretty bad when she tells me about those times and you just think it's just unimaginable what she went through and also like she was an orphan by the age she was 16 so I just think if she can overcome that mm. the lessons that she learned from that as well I just think I can cope with this mm. she gave you such strength from oh that. my god such yeah. strength and she's like so strong and and even my dad like he his upbringing was not difficult in that sense but he was one of nine as well and he's always worked so hard, like ever since like, I was growing up, like seven days a week, always worked seven days a week. Now he's cut down to six days a week. Like, it's just like, he's like, I'm cutting back. Oh, yeah, you're cutting down one day. Like, this is still not normal. And, and I think I've always seen that as well, like that hard working. You know, when I was younger, he used to work like Monday to, to Saturday. And then on a Sunday, he would do a market. So at Blackbush Market in Camberley, he would like sell, they'd sell clothes. Him and his brother would have a market stall. And I would go with him. And so I would get up at five in the morning. I think I've always been destined to do early. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's happened, isn't it? It's all from then. I'd get up at five in the morning. I still remember I had this like forever friends bedroom. Like my whole bedroom was forever friends. Like bed clothes, like wallpaper, clock. And I had this forever friends clock. And I remember like waking up and just looking at it. And it's five o'clock. And I just think, oh, God. But then I'd like get out of bed, love it. He'd be like, come on, like, you know, get ready, get ready, go in the van, go to the market, help him lay out the stall. So he used to do it with his brother. My uncle had a daughter, same sort of age as me. She used to come as well. We used to go and get the teas. He like they teach us about selling, about the prices, right? If they want to buy two, this is like what you do. Like and taught us all about that. And, you know, we'd have lunch together, they'd get us an ice cream on the way home be a long day we wouldn't get back till maybe like three which is like you've been up since five you know at that age got hmm. school the next day and then we'd get like 20 quid at the end of the day and you just feel like yeah I've really earned that money like you know you work really hard yeah. all day but it's seeing that I think and just and it wasn't like oh you know come on you've got to do this I wanted to go and I really enjoyed it hmm. 
and I think that they've instilled like such good value. I literally owe everything to them, to my parents. Like I know a lot of people say that, but I just think even to this day, like the lessons that they've taught me, it just, I hope that I could share that with somebody one day, like even half of what both of them have taught me. Yeah, that's so nice to hear. It's interesting though, there's two parts because the literal inspiration and strength and all that stuff that you take from seeing what they're like, mm. the hard work and you know, you don't always have to see it, you can just hear the stories like from your mum, right? You can hear yeah. what she went through and be like, wow, you got through that, you're my mum, I'm you, like I can do that then. Like that's how we make that translation, which is amazing. Also being taken to those markets and experiencing that. Like I, I often look back at my paper round at twelve years old and or like my pot washing jobs and that and these are what have what allow me now as like thirty three to get through shit admin days or like exactly struggle through things that aren't fun. Yeah. Because you just you've done it since you're like that age. Exactly. Really nice. You mentioned about how if people just get there in one go, like that's fine. There's an ancient Stoic philosopher called uh, Seneca who said he pities those who haven't faced challenge because you never know your own strength. This is so true. So everything that we get, like, all those not uh, setbacks, yeah. like getting knocked back, that's our education. Like that's what that's what toughens us, and we build skills for everyone. Like as you're telling that story, I'll just smile and thinking how amazing it is. All those rejection layers, oh. like you needed that to. It's easy now on reflection to go, well, those were great because it got mm. me into ITV sport and I was exposed to the thing I loved all along anyway, which has led me to where I am now. Awesome. But at the time, you're like, this fucking sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. And it's hard because every time you get the letter in the post and you think, could it be this one? And then it's like, oh, it's not, not mm. this time. But you just keep going, keep going. And I think, yeah, what you said about those people who get there in, in one go... I don't want to take anything away from them because had I got there in one go, I would have taken it as well. But you're right. The lessons that you learn, it's invaluable. You can't teach some of those things. It's just the, the experience that you've gone through. And I do recognise that in other people as well. You know, when I've seen somebody else who's gone through a challenge, I know what it's like. There's, you know, lots of other little things in my family that, that, that have happened that, that make me realise what's important and what mm. isn't. And also how to get through a situation and, like you say, you don't realise how strong you are because we are all very strong, very resilient, but you don't realise until you're put in that position Tested. where you've got no choice mm. but to be resilient. What you said, you've, there's lots of things that have happened in your family that have mm. taught you what's what's right or wrong. What would you, what's been the standout and what has it taught you? There, there's been moments in my life where, like my mum and dad have actually got strange story in the sense that they were married for so many years and then they got divorced and then they got back together mm. and they got remarried and it was just because of like challenges like that my dad was facing in his life but had they not done that they would never have been in the position they are now so but but it's just that unconditional love and I think showing me the importance of like of what a unit is and just that feeling of like having someone there and like the support regardless. So I think that's one thing. And, you know, there have been times where like my family didn't have much money and, and it was different for me because I went to a private school and I went to a private secondary school. The private primary school, my parents had to obviously pay for it. You have to pay tuition fees. For the secondary school, I, I got an assisted place, which isn't a scholarship, but it's like your grades were good enough and your parents' income was low enough that you get some help towards the fees. So I, my situation was very different to everybody else who was at school. 
you know, I was living in a you know normal house. My parents were like low low income working class parents, but the the students that I was with were you know very different off the scale. Like they were living in mansions with swimming pools, and you know the parents were like CEOs, and and so that that was very interesting. But it was a really good experience for me to see that side, but also appreciate what I had mm. as well. So so you do. It's that feeling of like fitting in, isn't it? I never felt out of place there. That was the thing. I never felt like I'm not good enough to be here. And that was because of how I'd been brought up. So it wasn't like an arrogance thing, but it was just be yourself and you'll be fine. That's that's resonated with me so much. I never felt like I necessarily fitted in at school, even though I was in the football team, popular Mm. and from outside. But... I don't think it necessarily encourages people to be themselves mm. at schools. We have to fit into this education system. And I, I, I imagine a lot of people will resonate with what you just said there. Because if you are being yourself, you're standing out, aren't you? You're, you're sticking out from what everybody else is taught what to do, really. Mm. So it's so hard to struggle to do that. How, how can we be ourselves? It, it takes a lot of bravery and courage, actually, to be yourself. Because often, like you say, I think it, it can be not the norm to be yourself. I recently, last week, went to the Attitude Awards for Attitude magazine. Mm. And there were so many powerful speakers from the LGBTQ plus community. And one thing that most of the people that spoke on stage said in some form or another was how much they loved those awards because it allowed them to be themselves. And that in a way, like really upset me because I just thought they don't feel like that all the time. The people, a lot of the people in this room don't feel like that all the time. And whether you're from the LGBTQ plus community or a different minority community, or even if you're not, a lot of us don't feel like we can be ourselves all the time. But when you do get that feeling, when you do find that self-confidence or you'll feel like you're supported or in a safe space to be yourself... It's so liberating and I think it only comes with experience and confidence that you can do that. And I don't think I fully am all the time now, but definitely more than I was. And being able to speak out on things when everybody else thinks it's fine, I think, and I've done that before, I've done that. And I have done that growing up, but, you know, as sort of more of a minor sort of level you mean like a more like speaking up morally speaking up morally when you think something's wrong um even though everybody else think even if you know that some people might think the same but they keep quiet you know i've been in i've been in morning meetings for example in a newsroom where I don't agree with what's being said and i can't and i can see that a few other people don't agree as well but maybe people don't have the courage to say it. There's been times when I've spoken up and said, I don't think that's right. And I don't think this, I don't agree with that. And that takes courage because of sometimes where you are in the pecking order, in the hierarchy, especially in a workplace, you know, the respect that you're meant to have for your peers. Well, you should have respect for your peers, of course, but respect maybe in the hierarchy, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, levels above you, that type of thing. But actually... I've only ever been rewarded for it in the sense of people have said, you know what, yeah, well done for speaking out. And there's been times when they don't agree with me, but they've said, you know, it's good that you've voiced your opinion on that. 
but it's scary. Like sometimes I, you know, remember once where I really didn't agree with something and I spoke, but I was so nervous about doing it in an environment where there was a lot of people around. And I remember my heart beating really fast and it was like, it wasn't like I was about to cry, but I felt like, you know, like my voice was like mm. trembling. But I thought I have to say something here. And if I don't, then I'm not being true to myself and I'm. it's not fair. And I always go back to like my star sign because <laughs> I'm one of these people. I'm a Libra. Okay. And it's all about balance and fairness. And injustice to me is like the hardest thing to take. I'm like such a stereotypical Libra in that way, where if something's not right in that sense, unjust, I I really struggle with it, whether it's on me or somebody else. I can't watch it. I can't see that happen in front of me and not say anything. So, you know, speaking out, sometimes it can be really difficult to do it and it doesn't make you friends sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. It's always made me feel better that I'm glad I've done it. The scariest thing to do is to speak your truth. If like, you know, that's what you want. To, your your genuine truth. Like, I was so terrified last week when I, at my event because I decided I was going to share my journey of leaving the corporate world and talking right. about how I'd lost my sense of self and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And that's because that's your truth. You're being. It's honest very about personal. yourself yeah it's personal so that's it's scary to put that out there so i can see like that i can re- resonate again with that feeling of like yeah. oh, like all those emotions that you've probably been holding in and then you're like i have to say this I have to. but there's you said the word a few times courage because there's different types isn't there there's courage for ourselves and our bank balance and like i'm going to start this business and make all this money or like whatever whatever you choose to do you have to be courageous and brave in that sense but then there's courage morally like I'm going to stand for what I believe in mm. and I'm going to make sure that I'm I can look myself in the mirror tomorrow and know that exactly. I exactly like was in line with my values or what I believe in whatever yeah and it sounds like you do that I think and I think that again is something else that I've got like from my parents like they're very kind people and my dad would again he's a bit like that he would never let someone else be like bullied or mm. you know in an unjust situation like he just wouldn't stand for it and no matter what it meant for him he would always like stick up and I think I've seen that and that's something I really admire in him mm. so that's something that I want to do as well and be seen and be known for an ally whether I'm seeking up for somebody else or not it's still important to me mm. when we talk about a leap of faith in our life these can be our massive turning points where everything shifts and this is sometimes when we need the most courage right to leave everything that we've built up until this point and to take a chance on the unknown what happened in the next part of your journey when you essentially left the legal career you'd worked so long to get into to pursue your dream of being in journalism? It's funny, isn't it? Because I talk about how it took me longer and it was harder for me and I really went through so much to get to <laughs> be qualified. And then I said, see ya to being a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I think, I don't want to say like it's the thrill of the chase, but I think part of it was that if you're rejecting me and you're saying I can't do this, part of me was wanting to prove that I could do it. I can do it. I can get there and prove it to myself, prove it to maybe all the people that rejected me subconsciously. I set out on this journey to be a lawyer and I wanted to finish it. But whilst I was at ITV Sport, like I said to you, I was in that environment, broadcasting environment, media, sport, all that type of thing. And... I would find myself like in my spare time making a pl- like writing down a plan. You know, I always had a notebook in there. And, and this is like something that my mum always had as well. Like she always used to have a book, like a notebook, and she would always write down 
like it was usually financial, like, you know, like your financial plan, like, mm. right, this is my incomings, my outgoings, you know, there would always be a plan. And I used to do that. I said, right, okay, so if I could put this much aside and then, you know, I could do a postgrad. I, could... I was in a lot of debt when I finished uni as well, because three years of undergraduate, then a year of LPC, which is not cheap. Then I did start work, but that was a lot of debt, which I only maybe finished clearing my student loan two years ago, mm. which is took me a long time. Yeah. So and I thought, oh, how would I do it? How would I pay for it? I'd have to get a loan. But I found myself like making these, constantly making this, okay, if I stayed, if I carried on being a lawyer for this many years and then I did it. So I, I was making this like imaginary dream plan all the time. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it, thinking about it. So I, you're thinking about this a lot. And you're talking about this a lot. This is something that's on your mind that you want to do. And I will say this to people as well now. Like, if you're constantly thinking about something, there's a reason why. Mm. So I spoke to my mum and dad about it. I spoke to my partner about it. And they said, look, you're qualified. You can always go back to being a lawyer now. No one can take that away from you. you you've done it. So you can always go back to being that. If this is what you want to try, try it. And then if it doesn't work, go back to being a lawyer. If it works, great. So they were like, we can help you financially in terms of I didn't have to pay rent. So it was like, okay, that was something. I got a loan out and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I quit my job. How much did you get out? I got a loan for £12,000. Really? So I'd already paid my postgrad loan and I got another loan out. And I was like, don't let that hold you back. Mm. Don't let that be the reason why you don't do it so I applied to go to do a broadcast journalism postgrad diploma at London College of Communication wow. and they said you know just take it step by step don't think too far ahead make the application see what happens I got an interview right okay went to the interview again just think about that stage don't think too far ahead um, I've recently started to play golf and this is what my coach was says to me just think about your next shot don't think about the one after that. Don't think about no. the one after that. So it was a similar thing. Just think about your next move. Okay, went to the interview, got offered the place. And I'm like, okay, but then how am I going to pay off the loan? How am I going to start? No, just you've got the place, accept the place, do the course, then think about your next move. So to an extent, like I love planning. Like I've got the book and I'm making the plan at the back of the book. I love planning. And so, no, just, just my mum's like, just worry about the mm. next step. It was bizarre and it was quite scary leaving ITV, I have to say. I loved my colleagues there as well. And and I think it was also, I felt like partly a little bit embarrassed, like telling people what I was doing because I just thought they're going to think I'm silly. Like, what's she doing? And even some of my family, like extended family and friends, I know they're all like, oh, great, good for you. But I'm sure like some of them had reservations, like, what is she doing? She's just spent all this time and effort and money becoming a lawyer and now she's just throwing it all away but I thought to myself look I've got to try it and the people that mattered to me most were encouraging me to do it whilst I was doing my postgrad I was just hammering editors left right and center mm. for work experience because I thought I need to hit the ground running so I don't want to waste any time I do like little bits of work experience here and there whilst I was doing the course and that led to like some freelance radio shifts news reading and I just loved it and I thought but it was hard there were moments when I thought I'm a qualified lawyer what am I doing like driving this many miles for a 10 hour mm. <laughs> shift mm. which is gonna pay less than what my parking is gonna cost me <laughs> and my petrol you know there were moments where I was like oh god am I doing the right thing but I just kept telling myself 
you can do it. And I genuinely did back myself as well. I thought, I can do it. And I thought, I can be good at this as well. And I think that it's important when you do take a leap of faith and dive into something like that, know your strengths and know your weaknesses. There were things that I wasn't good at and there were things that I knew I was better at. So I knew that like presenting and news reading was my strength in this Mm. industry. And I knew that reporting was fine. I was okay at it. And I was okay at editing and making the packages and things like that. But it wasn't my specialist. So I... I haven't got I thought right I haven't got time to like try and like finesse everything I'm going to focus on one area and so I did I focused on the news reading and the presenting because that's what I really wanted to do and every time we had a guest editor come in for like a talk or a, a day news day that is the area that they would put me in as well mm. so I was like okay th- these people who are in the industry are all seeing something and they're agreeing with me that that is the area so I was, felt a bit more like I had confirmation mm-hmm. And I just really focused on that. Really interesting. I, was, I, was, I spoke at a wellness festival a couple of weeks ago and I spoke with a journalist who worked for the BBC. She was complaining. She was she was Asian and was saying that I've been sort of categorised in this news category I don't really want to be in and like, how do I change and how do I get out of this category? And I think that that's quite an important point is that that fork in the road quite early on, you need to solidify yourself in there because part of... As, as frustrating as it is, especially when you're trying to be yourself, you do need to build a story around who you are as well. Yeah. So other because we have it in our heads figured out, right? We know what we can do. We know what we're gonna do. Yeah. But other people don't, so we need to formulate some sort of story around that, so other people can a emotionally connect, but also b see where it fits out in their story as well. And I was speaking to her, I was like, I don't think it's journalism. I think it's the company you work for. Yeah. <laughs> it was the BBC who have put her in that category, right? That's the thing. No, I think that's so interesting. So you, you did a piece of work where you figured out your strengths and weaknesses, committed into one of those things, and yeah. that's got you to it. And nowadays, everything's multimedia as well. Like, you do need to know how to do a little bit of everything, like online articles, reporting, you know, mm. presenting. And some people are great at everything. I don't think I'm one of those people. You know, I think I'm okay at some things, but I know what my strengths are. And I always remember this conversation I had with my headmistress at secondary school when we were choosing our A-levels. And I had chosen... So my sister was very sciencey. She's an optician. And she did, like, maths, biology, physics, and got, like, three Bs. Like, she's very sciencey, very good. Well, so I was, I've always been more artsy, like, creative. Mm. I always love, like, poetry, writing, drawing art like fashion I love it all you sketch like fashion when I was younger you know like I said to you used to like do this like Belize and music make magazines I've always been more on that side and I went into the meeting about my A-levels and I said right I've chosen English literature German and maths and she was like why have you picked maths hmm. she said you could do maths and you could do okay in it but she was like why don't you play to your strengths you're really good at languages why don't you do you know, actually, yeah, no, it was English, economics and maths. And she was like, why don't you do German instead? You love German. You're good at it. Why are you picking maths? Is it because you think that's what you're supposed to do? And I was like, well, yeah, actually, it is. She's like, no, like you should go for something that you'll mm. place your strengths. Instead of going for what you think is the right thing to do or what everyone's doing or what society is telling you is the best thing, play to your strengths so I was like yeah okay fine I'll do German instead mm. and you know so so that was the, the situation for me in for broadcasting as well and I'm really glad that I did that because I mean now we do a little bit of reporting as well but it is I'm a presenter and that's I want to try and completely like finesse that and that be my 
core strength. You're amazing at it as well. I love like Aww. watching you and even like you'll have little laughs here and there. So you have your like yourself like comes out in your presenting. I, I love that. I don't know if that's like a conscious thing or if you're just. I think that's come with like confidence because okay. it's always been there. But sometimes you just think you don't want to push the boundaries mm. a little more. But then, you know, the feedback I've had from my bosses and people I work with is like, yeah. we love it when you've yeah. got your personality because that's what makes you you. Mm. There are some serious stories in sport that we report on, of course, but it is more, it's not really life or death. We're trying to lift people's spirits and we want to be entertaining. So you can bring your personality mm. out. What else makes an, a great presenter so when we talk about because as much as this is about purpose and like the leap of faith and doing what we really care about it's also about performance so mm. what makes a peak performing presenter or like what are the things that make you a good presenter do you think i think being authentic and again not doing this is a common theme of what we've been speaking about today but not doing what you think you should be doing and i always say this to i get a lot of students messaging me or who i meet at events and things who say how do i talk how do i actually present how do i speak and i say to them you don't need to be sitting in a certain way you don't need to have your hands in a certain way just be yourself mm. and don't you don't need to put on a voice either yes you need to enunciate and things like that but just be yourself and I think that like what you said is like these little bits of personality that come out in my presenting and that's what I think makes a good presenter personally is one obviously knowing your subject you have to know your subject do your prep and make sure because although everybody thinks we have a hundred percent on auto cue that's very far from the truth. It's not like that, especially with rolling news. There'll be something breaking and you need to know the context behind it. You know, you might only be told three words like Lukaku's had his medical. We're going to break it next. Mm. Right. Well, who is Lukaku? What's his first name? Where's he going from? Where's he going to? He's been at Chelsea before. Know the context behind that. When did he leave? Who was he playing under? Who is he playing with? So it's and you just have to freestyle. Some of it you will have to freestyle, yeah. Some of it that will be information that you already know. Some of it you need to check, like if it's something like uh, the Newcastle takeover, for example. You know, you need to have known what's been happening before. So know your subject. You need to be prepped in that sense. Some things you can't prep for, so it is just that everyday knowledge and just being on top of everything, which is hard. But if you like sport, then it's you know should be fairly easy. But just be yourself, honestly. I just think otherwise we're just gobs on sticks, aren't we? Like you, you have to have a bit of yourself and a bit of your own style to presenting. Otherwise it's boring to watch for the viewer, I think. But you've nailed it because that prep, because like it's boring as it sounds, like preparation is confidence, leads yes, to confidence. definitely. So then when you've got that, then it's so much easier to be yourself. Oh my God, so much easier. That is exactly it. Because when you feel comfortable, that's when that comes out. Mm. And I think viewers can see that or hear that if it's radio. When you don't, that nervous energy, it comes out in mm. your presenting. Because yeah. I always say this, when I did my very first Good Morning Sports Fan, so three hours of live TV was my first three hours. And I came back and I watched it, like I put it on to watch because I'd recorded it. And it was so high pitched because of like <laughs> how excited and nervous I was and all yeah. that adrenaline. It comes out, it mm. comes out in your delivery everything and you just you will just be a much better presenter if you're prepared so i think that is definitely mm. key i think a lot of practice as well I, I, if i think back to episode one of this podcast i planned every question to the t 
and I like to the point where I kind of loosely know how they'd answer that. So then I plan a question. Right, right. <laughs> love it, that. And I put my quote in. I'm going to put this quote in. Oh, here. I love it. Like, because I was like, worst case scenario, I will just literally follow this question, and it will sound loosely yeah. natural. Yeah. <laughs> that no one else will know. <laughs> but now I write down. Literally, I haven't even opened my book. No, your book's today. not even within reaching so distance. So I've had like ten questions on there, loosely knowing what I want to ask you. Yeah. And actually, you just completely derailed me after oh, the no. first one. I always but do that. It, it was good because I was like, great, we're going Went in different directions. Went off on a tangent. So, but now it's again like the event last week I did prep questions I didn't ask any of them just because of the way it, that it was flowing yeah and because I've had four years of practice of asking questions I can now just like f- come up with a question and like you said quickly put some context quickly throw in yeah. my two cents and then tee them up to make them sound good yeah and I, you made it all feel very natural like it doesn't feel like I don't feel like this feels like a chat mm. and that's what it should feel like mm. even when you're interviewing someone this is what I say to people it shouldn't feel like inquisition <laughs> you know yeah. they're in a police cell and you're just grilling them but there will be times when you have an interviewee who might be a bit nervous and they, their answers might be really short so then you'll be thankful that you've yeah. got that list of questions mm. because you know you might yeah. need to so keep it going I actually had one recently I won't say the name is I'll tell you afterwards but, <laughs> and it pissed me off because I was like it's this first time it happened in ages I was like if you don't want to be here then yeah. just like and it was frustrating yeah that so is I, frustrating but I think like again that's my own ego I should have just been like this is the situation now just let it go and do your best mm. where I was just like oh you don't want to be here okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> stand off like, yeah. whereas you're like so easy to talk to oh. obviously you're a professional this anyway which makes it easy but like from the first moment you walked in the door like I felt your energy very quickly so it's, it makes it a lot easier yeah so same you. I felt exactly the same like what I was saying to you about like judging people's vibe and energy it often comes right at the start mm. and you can feel you can you can gauge it right from the start. It's very been. I don't often feel comfortable talking about myself because yeah, you say that oh you're a professional at this, but I talk about other things yeah, and other yeah. people and interview yeah. other people, <laughs> and I'm the one who like likes asking the questions. So when you're doing it about yourself, it can feel a bit unnatural yeah. and you know tricky because you just think oh what am I going to say? Mm. And like you said, I'll go off on a tangent. You know, <laughs> I won't stick to like the topic. Yeah, it just feels very easy. Good, good. What's been your highlight? Who or, or like highlight moment and favorite person that you spoke to? Okay, favorite person that I spoke to was Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Really nice. But this wasn't actually in a professional capacity because so I'm a Chelsea fan and I like used to just love like watching like him and like Ida Good Johnson, you know. And then glory days. I was the glory days. <laughs> I was in the makeup room. And this is just before we've had makeup artists back. So everybody's doing their own makeup. And he was in there because he was doing, being he was a pundit for um, the EFL show or something. So I walked into the makeup room and I'm doing my makeup next to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, <laughs> which was just bizarre. But like, we just had a chat about, you know, when you found out I was a Chelsea fan and we were just chatting about those days and he was telling me about how like now when he turns up to five aside and you know he's like yeah I'm not what I used to be and I was thinking imagine if Hasselbank turned up to yeah. a five aside I, I'm pretty sure you're still better than everybody else who's there and we were just talking about you know the partnership with him and Ida and the relationship and that is like when it sort of hits me just how lucky mm. I am like people that I've grown up watching like just getting to have these like behind the scenes chats with it even even my fellow presenters because like I said to you like I've always watched Sky Sports News so being like sometimes like you'd be sat next to Jim White he's not there anymore but you know we and 
like we'd, they'd be counting us down to on air and I would just have this like out of body experience where I'm just looking at the studio around me at the seat that I'm in like I've watched people present from this seat and I'm sitting next to Jim and hmm. it just used to feel really surreal and I just think wow I'm doing it I'm doing it and so those are like real highlights for me and I think one of the main ones which I talk about a lot is deadline day because mm. that is such an exciting day and it always has been for me as a viewer and it's something like me and my dad used to watch together and then to be a part of it and to be presenting on deadline day is so fun and it is what how the viewers see it it is like chaos so many people are in it's like all the revolving door of just like guests and pundits and it's it's so fun and wow. it's exciting but all of your sacrifice all of your hard work all the rejections all those turns like me and a friend we say like there's no right and wrong it's yeah. right and left so like true. those decisions that you make so, so all true. of those faults that you went off on have led you to being able to have the deadline days yeah. the out of body experience is like wow look what I'm doing and this is what I say I say to my husband like whatever happens from now doesn't matter I mean obviously it matters but it, to an extent I've done it mm. I've, 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 I've achieved what I set out to achieve because when I started this switch he said to me where is your ultimate place that you want to work and I was like, well, he said, no, 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 all barriers aside, don't think about anything like, oh, how achievable it is. You know, if it's Good Morning America, just say that. And I said, look, it's, I would want to present on Sky Sports News. Hmm. I was like, right, OK, now you've got something to aim towards. And so I feel like now whatever happens, I did it. Hmm. Obviously, I want to stay there, but <laughs> I just think it's a lot of people don't get to achieve the dream job. So just grateful that I've managed to do it. No, congrats. It's amazing. I've loved hearing the story. Oh, thank you. I think as well, like last thing for me before we ask the quick fire three at the end is I think it's so important what you just said there, sharing this, the Jimmy Hasselbank story, because we don't often even think that those moments are going to happen. They're, they're, they're bonuses. Like I was, yeah. I'm thinking back to my event again last week, my two peak moments of the whole evening one, my mum is uh, like athletics mad. Right. And I got to introduce her to Asha Phillip and oh. Richard Whitehead. Oh. And she was just like in her element. So like I hadn't even planned that or thought that would happen or, you know, what, that wasn't even that. That was just a bonus. I just I was like, mum, I've got to introduce you to them because they were on the panel. And the other one was at the end of the event, I was stood there with George Groves and with Thomas Robson Cano. And they were kind of like going back and forth. Thomas talking about how as a footballer, it's, a, it's the team first. He wants to win the Premier League regardless. Right. And George's mind being blown saying, like, I don't get why you don't just want to score all the goals and be, yeah. and be number one. Like, don't you just want to score the goal? It doesn't matter if you win or lose because obviously solo sport. Yeah, exactly. And I stood there in this conversation, like similar to you, it's like, what is going on? Like, this yeah, is amazing. at that moment you felt yeah. it. Felt it. I was like... Again, because it's, it's one of those, it was a surprise and it took me by surprise. I was yeah. like, this is so good. You can't so foresee good. some of these. We no. have to really like cherish those. I think. Oh, I definitely. And I think because it's so fast moving and like what you're doing as well, like there will be so many things that you've achieved that, that have just passed you by. Mm. And it's not until you actually stop. And like someone asked me like for a bio the other day for an awards thing I was doing and I had to actually write down what I'd done. And it's not until I wrote it down that I actually thought, actually, I'm quite proud of a lot of these mm. things because we just we keep going, don't we? You're mm. just like constantly going and life is moving so fast. Sometimes you don't stop to mm. think what what you've done and, and like appreciate. So those moments when you're on stage and like what you've achieved and you've made all that happen is really special. Yeah. Don't pat ourselves on the back enough, do we? No, definitely not. Last three questions. Okay. So these quick fire. First one is, 
one thing that you're particularly excited about however you translate that like one thing you're excited about you might have discovered it recently it might be a program a mm. book it could be anything that's happened something coming up one thing that you're particularly excited about at the moment women in sport nice mm, yeah definitely like just how much we're covering it sky mm. is on par now to the men's football like mm -hmm. you know it's not an afterthought and i love that mm. like in terms of the content in terms of the commentary, the pundits, the guests, reporters, behind the scenes. I just think it's just moving up and up and yeah. at a rapid rate. I want it to keep going, but yeah. it's doing great. It's so amazing. And you're doing your part with that, obviously, as well, with like a woman in presenting. Like that's it's so key. I've got a daughter as well. So I yeah. love like being like, wow, she's been born into a world where exactly. where it is on par. Yeah. I think Frank Kirby is going to come on the podcast as oh, well. Oh, amazing. So, yeah. yeah, I'm interested to hear her perspective on that. Yeah, that would be great. So number two, one habit that you would recommend to all listeners. Appreciate each moment. Like what I was saying to you, is that a habit? Does that count as a habit? Yeah, I mean, that's like like a gratitude. A gratitude yeah. thing because things move so quickly. You miss it. You miss moments that are going. And so appreciate where you are at that and get what you can out of it. Like make the most out of each opportunity mm. and appreciate what you're doing at that moment because it will teach you something. It might not feel like a good experience, but that will still teach you something. So appreciate it. And is that like taking a step back in these moments? Definitely. To, yeah. Definitely. Okay. And it's hard to do that because, you know, we, we all get so engrossed in what we're doing that you don't take a step back, but just take a step back and appreciate what, where you are and what mm. you've done. Yeah, I love that. It's so good. Take yourself back to a particularly challenging moment. It might be some adversity. It might be right before your leap of faith or mm. one of the two or three or four that you've done. Imagine there's two versions of yourself, right? So there's two Bellas. Okay. There's the one who's sat opposite me now that has achieved all the great things that you've done. And there's one that didn't do any of those things, mm. didn't have the courage or whatever it is that you needed in order to get there. What is the key trait in the Bella sat opposite me that allowed you to get to your dream of being on Sky Sports News and being the presenter? It's the resilience. Yeah, just being resilient because you're going to have knockbacks. I mean, not everybody does, but most people do. There's going to be knockbacks. Not everyone's going to like your style. Not everyone's going to think you've got potential, but keep going because somebody will. And if you if you if you work hard enough, I know like people say this a lot, but if you just keep going, just stay focused, you will get there. Your path's not going to be the same as everybody else. So we look on Instagram or we we Google, we Wikipedia people like, oh, how did they get to where they're going? And I think that is a good thing to do. To, to see like the different routes but don't think that there's only one way to get there because there isn't and just be resilient be focused and yeah you'll get there you will thanks Bella it's been amazing thank you so it. much I've had such a good time yeah me too sorry for like talking a lot that's <laughs> <laughs> no, amazing thanks so much no thank you Thanks for joining us today. I had so much fun speaking with Bella. An amazing story and so many gems about choosing which path to take and when, which we can all take something from. Catch Bella on Sky Sports News every week, including Sunday mornings where she presents the rundown from the weekend's fixtures on goals on Sunday. She is amazing. Next week, I'm speaking with another outstanding individual, a world champion on their chosen path, a cruiserweight world title holder. It is, of course, Lawrence Acoli. I spoke with him all about his journey from working in McDonald's and seeing Anthony Joshua win gold at the Olympics and being moved in that moment to make a change in his life and pursue boxing for himself before years later being signed to his icon AJ's management label. It's such a powerful conversation. I'm delighted to be able to share that with you next week. 
So until then, stay positive, stay motivated and take flight.